When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Now, from Learfield. Pistols firing! Touchdown, Oklahoma State! This is the Oklahoma State Cowboy Insider. Here is your host, Dave Hunziker. And we're here, Dave Hunziker and Robert Allen, and week two of the college football season. Let's just go right to the topic that seems to be on everyone's mind, and that's the, the quarterback play. Now, here's what I struggle with a little bit. Is, let's see, 724 yards... Five touchdown passes, one interception for Cornelius in his first start. Well, and, yeah, and no, 58 that, points. That, that was total offense. I mean, no, but it's still, you know, somebody's still, got to direct the ship. And exactly, he, did. he directed the ship to. So he he did that, he yes. did well with that. Uh, you know, Coach Gundy has mentioned there have been a few. You know, there were a few throws that were missed in the game. I think what do you say four when he went back and looked at it a second time. And I here's the deal. Here's how I look at this. It's really simple. I black and white. And this has been consistent for the most part here at Oklahoma State. Really has under Coach Gundy. He will keep his job. And if something is going to happen where his job might be in jeopardy, that only becomes an issue if there are issues in games that are significant enough to lead to some consideration being made. The thing is, to me, last Thursday uh, wouldn't get you to that wouldn't get you to that point. I mean, he scored 58 points. There were some missed throws, 724 yards. And the thing, another part of that is your tailbacks are the best players. Get them the ball, even if it's a screen pass. You know what Chuba Hubbard did with that screen pass? Went 54 yards. So that's my simplistic way of looking at it. And if for some reason he were to struggle, it's just like J.W. Walsh in 2013. He struggled a game or two, and they made a change. They put Clint Shelf in. Simple deal, I think. I, I think – to be fair, that you have to look at it through several different glasses. 
okay? The Mike Gundy glasses, former quarterback, a uh, guy that likes truly likes quarterbacks, uh, a head coach that truly admires leadership, doing things the right way, fulfilling your role and doing it to the best of your ability. Um, he's got a rare breed in Taylor Cornelius that most guys like Taylor Cornelius would have bolted and said, I'm not sitting behind Mason Rudolph. No, you would have seen the handwriting on the wall. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to go play somewhere. And this guy didn't. And and why didn't he? Because he was happy, likes the university, uh, likes the football program, likes the people he works with, and has a, has a sense of loyalty, which you find – in a lot of West Texas kids. I like West Texas kids. Sure. Um, we've, we've had, had a lot of good ones. We've had a number of them, and, and they're good as gold. So Mike Gundy is going to reward this. We've seen him reward other quarterbacks for their longevity in the program, and it didn't work out at times. Alex Cade is the right. flaming example. But I guess that's <laughs> but, a comparison I would make is that, boy, if, if you thought Cornelius struggled, think back to t- <laughs> 2009 Colorado when poor Alex was, what, 0 for 9 in the first half and oh, had oh, an interception? 0 oh, oh for 10. And one in, and the one oh for ten oh for ten, but he's really one for ten. But it went to the other guy. Went to Colorado. Went to Colorado. And then Whedon came in. The rest is history. You know, and so I think now let's go from looking at it through the Mike Gundy eyes to the fans' eyes, and I think the fans look at it as, well, we don't get to go to practice. And you're telling us a walk-on and career backup is our starting quarterback? Can't imagine that. There's a guy from Hawaii over there that started two years and thrown for 5,000 yards. Now, go back and look at his win-loss record. I'm not trying to be mean to Drew Brown, but it is what it is. And I think if he were in the islands right now, he would be the backup to this kid, Kale McDonald, who is lighting it up. You watched that dude play? He lit it up against Navy. You called my attention. I watched him against Navy Saturday. That guy, holy smokes, they're fun to watch on offense. That guy's good. And he's 6'4", and Drew Brown's 5'11 at best. And so, you know, but but fans are going to be that way. They're all, That's understandable. They're, you're always going to have that. your fans that are, you know, I think I know more than the coach. I mean, they like fans like to feel like they know more. They're entitled okay. to do that if they wish. That's fine. And then you've got Robert Allen's glasses. And Robert What Allen's, do those glasses look like? You know what? My glasses look at it this way. Did Taylor not connect on his deep throws? He didn't. What do I think it was based on what I have seen in practice? And we're we, we're very uh, thankful that Mike Gundy lets us see things so we can talk intelligently on the air sure, about them to makes our a fans. Big difference. And you and I have both seen Taylor Cornelius hit deep throws. In fact, he pretty hits consistently. deep throws very consistently. Yeah, pretty consistently, he does. How was he missing? He was missing long. Typically, that that is a sign of adrenaline or extra juice. And I think he was pumped up. Um, how did he do in every other regard? From everybody we've talked to and everything I've seen, mentally, he did the right thing. He made a lot of good decisions. He checked down. He got the ball in the hands of the running backs yep. through Dave Hunziker's eyes. He liked that. He did throw a pick in the red zone through Dave Hunziker's eyes. He hates that. I but, know. It's one of my pet but, peeves. And that's where Mike Gundy was absolutely 100% nailed it when he said he tried to pinpoint it. He tried to pinpoint that pass, and it yep. was short, and it was picked. But if you want to grade Taylor Cornelius overall for what he did in the opener, and you can grade it with a curve because Missouri State isn't Division One, that's fine. I, I can live with that. I'd give him a B at worst, a B minus. 
That's that's probably and a that's, good grade, and that's, that's uh, a fair I think grade. That's a fair grade. Um, if things that are, that we've if seen, if they were perfect, the the best he could get with a curve is an A. Well, sure, because you can't get an A plus against Missouri State. You can well, only no. get A pluses against Division One conference well, foes and conference ranked teams, yeah, West Virginia, teams like Texas, that. Oklahoma, Boise State. You could earn an A plus. Sure. Here here's the thing: if for whatever reason he can't carry over what we've seen in practice consistently into games, then, you know, they'll, they may at some point have to, to think about what they need to do. So, but the thought is, and I certainly feel this way, that there will be a point probably pretty soon, hopefully really soon, where all of those things we've seen in practice, and there's a lot, you know, the, the connecting on the deep throws. You know, obviously we had a chance to witness how well he can run with the run he had in the first quarter on that first touchdown drive. I mean, not only had a big gain, but made guys miss and made cuts. As we see more and more of those things, I, I think that will happen, and we'll see those things over time. And I think hopefully people will come to understand why they made the choice they made. A couple of other things to think about in this regard, because a lot of people were wondering, well, why didn't you play Drew Brown late in the game? Well, remember, he has a redshirt year. Remember also that you have the new redshirt rule that allows a player to play four games and still redshirt. Here's the deal. They've seen all the video they need to see of him playing in a game. They know he can handle it. Why else would you put him out there against Missouri State? Here's something else to think about, a scenario. So let's say hypothetically, because in the Big 12 quarterbacks don't stay healthy for a whole year very often, say Taylor Cornelius gets injured against Iowa State, just hypothetically. Drew Brown, in that case, would be the number two guy, would play at Kansas State, then a bye week and at home against Texas, and then let's say at Baylor the first weekend of November, Cornelius comes back. You've covered two games and a whole month of the season with Drew Brown with two games left in your pocket if you needed to use them and still potentially redshirt them. I mean, I think those are the kinds of things that they have to think about, well, and this rule is so new that they're still trying to figure it out, but I think you've got to keep that in your pocket because especially if Cornelius runs as much as we may as he could end up running, and you'll hear Coach Gundy in the pregame talk specifically about how much he may run. If that's true, then shoot, you better have number two ready to go because the odds are – he may be injured. That's just the way it is. And, and I'll go further with your scenario. Okay. Let's say all that happens that you just said, and now you get into the end of the season and something happens. He sprains an ankle or, or sure. twists something against uh, uh, West Virginia. Okay. And you've still got, you know, TCU down the line to finish up with. Okay. Now – even if you used all of Drew Brown, which you hadn't, you could probably you can bring him back. If you do get to that point, and Cornelius is still your starter, Spencer Sanders is two B. The, the right. coaches really like right. what he's doing. He's and you can bring him in because he's got four games, and you now bring back two quarterbacks, a two-year starting veteran in Division One, and a hotshot Texas high, highly recruited, talented kid to push each other and make each other better in the spring and into next season and battle for the starting quarterback job. So I, now, am I am I sitting here saying, well, let's sacrifice 2018 for 2019? No, 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 no I'm no, not. No. This is all predicated on the fact that 
Taylor Cornelius remains your starter, and you believe he's your best opportunity, as Mike Gundy said Monday. He gives us the chance, the best chance to have success, which I agree with from what I've seen. If that all stays the same, you've got eight games to play with two backup quarterbacks that you can get through and have them back next year. And, and I, I just think that this is the new Billy Ball way of managing college football. I, I think, watch the special teams. I did a story this week on, on our website that I do where I divided everybody on the team that has a red shirt available into four categories. Going to play, no question. Yep. Don't even think about red shirting. Well, that's like Colby Peel and Der in, Derek Bernard and those guys. In, injured, which are Blake Baron, the freshman, and Jacob Farrell. Injured, going to red shirt, can't right. play because they're, they're hurt. The next category was maybe. <laughs> maybe they don't red shirt. Maybe they do, but they play four games. And there's a long list of those guys. And then the, the biggest list at the end is probably going to red shirt, but you have them available for four games. And there's a lot of walk-ons and guys in there, guys like a Malik Givens, who's now going to start on the cover unit, so it's a walk-on. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're M.K. Taylor mapping out the special teams, You've got to have a list of all your athletes that are capable of returning, capable of covering kicks, capable of blocking on returns, uh, all these, because if, I, if I'm going to use in certain positions, maybe you have some guys that are always going to be on each special team right. as an anchor, but you've got four spots you can rotate out. You get guys some playing time. Get them, you know, get them from being green as freshmen or never playing. And they're athletic and they help your team. I mean, th there's all kinds of things you can well, do with this redshirt. We, it's we, crazy. We talked about that at the beginning of camp. In sure. fact, we talked about that driving to the officiating clinic when we sure, rode yeah. down to Dallas together about the potential of having shifts in your special teams as a way to accomplish two things. You get those guys out there and, and to me, this is the even more important thing. It reduces the number of plays that your guys who are typically on defense who get run ragged in the Big 12 as it is because most of your special teams guys, your non-returner guys, a lot of those guys, unless it's a field goal PAT or perhaps your punt protection where you have to have linemen, but a lot of those guys that are doing the running running, they're defensive guys. They're yeah. tacklers. So if you have to put starters on special teams, and so often that's the case, you're just adding to that play load. And when you add 10 to 15 plays per game let's on, on to a player in the kicking game and you add that up over eight weeks and the number of plays you have to play in the Big 12, I'm here to tell you it makes a difference. It makes a difference in terms of their energy level toward the end of the year. Yeah, Malik Givens going now on the, the kickoff and putt return or, or cover units. That may take A.J. Green or Darius Williams off those units Big. and give them a break. And, huge. And, and here's the other thing, too, another added impact. If you ask any college football player what was the hardest year you had in school, and they redshirted, and most do. Very few go through without redshirting. Uh, they will tell you, oh, my redshirt year, I, I didn't feel a part of the team. Yeah, I feel disengaged. Okay. These guys get some plays, whether it's walk-on. Like last week, Mike Getty said, we, we got walk-ons that we didn't think would ever play that got 11 plays in that game. That was really cool. Okay, now here's the deal. Those are your guys that play on your scout teams, and they, they are invaluable in practice. And now what you just did by playing them in one game is you made them a vested member of the team. Now 
they're engaged. They they have played. This is their team. So in, in scout team, they're going to be like Rudy in the movie. Hey, you got to work harder than that. I mean, they're going to be challenging. They're going to be playing their very best. And I'm just telling you, there's people out there that don't see values in, in games like Missouri State. I understand you pay the regular ticket price and you see a team that you know you're going to beat and all that. But there is so much value in those games for a football team to get that that engage engagement from yeah, all of the important. players that get a chance to play that wouldn't normally get to. Well, the scout team this week, particularly the scout team offense, had a a bit of a challenge as we turn our attention to this game because well, South we, Alabama got to put a scout team jersey on this week. South Alabama <laughs> to, is a is a they're a very unique team offensively. I mean, it's as Jim Knowles said this morning, and we had talked about this earlier this week. I mean. It is the modern-day version of the option, except not as extreme as Georgia Tech. It probably falls closer to what you saw Air Force do a few years ago. It's uh, There's a lot of guys going. There's a lot of motion and a lot of quarterback run and option football out of it. So for a defense playing just its second game in a new scheme, this is, this is a unique challenge. Not like they racked up crazy yards in their loss to Louisiana Tech, but just the nature of what they do is uh, is interesting, and if you don't have things locked down, it can be problematic. The good thing, and the thing that will keep Mike Gundy from from his head exploding on Saturday, is they're doing it with an inexperienced but normal Division One sized offensive line. Yeah, very inexperienced. So they're they're not, you know, Air Force and Army and Navy. They have the 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 six foot six foot one lineman that cut all the time. Yep. This is not a, a group like that. So you don't have to worry about your, you know, your, your, your defensive linemen having to fend off at their knees, cut blocks yep. all the time. Yep. So, so it is a little different there, but yeah, they're, and, and, you know, they ran in their first game, they ran 43 and threw 23 in, in 66 plays. That's, that's not a, that's the other thing too. 66 plays. Not that's very many. old school. So they're, they're going to huddle. They're going to let the clock run. They're not, you know, they're going to they're going to kind of four corner you as far as using the clock. And if Oklahoma State wants to run a lot of plays, they're going to have to do it themselves because these guys aren't going to, and their defense is going to have to get get off the field and get the offense back out there because these guys will go on longer, more time-consuming possessions. Well, you mentioned the inexperience of their offensive line. To illustrate that point, both of their starting guards and their starting center made their first collegiate starts in the opener against Louisiana Tech. And in this coaching transition, because they have a new coach at South Alabama, they lost two offensive linemen that probably would have started who have transferred. A third, who was a possible starter, had to retire from football due to injury. And so when they broke spring camp, or at least in the summer months before they really went out and signed some guys, found some guys late, I think they had eight offensive linemen on scholarship, and that was it. So they were really depleted. Another part of this that will be interesting if they want to grind the game down, they really like their specialists, and their punter is very good. Uh, Corliss Waitman is first-team all-sun belt, uh, had a good game against Louisiana Tech, left-footed, strong arm. I think he averaged 48 yards of punt in the opener. He's a really good punter, and they like their place kicker, Gavin Patterson, too, although he missed a short field goal against the Cowboys last year. And, and the thing is, they'll be a little exotic. They went for five fourth downs against La Tech. They made four. And they recovered an onside kick. And so you've got to be ready for about anything because I think their way of thinking 
is to be aggressive, be a little unorthodox, and, and they'll see if their special teams can help them. They had a kickoff return. Trey Minner, I think, hit one for 45 or 46 yards, the opening kickoff. So they, they're going to emphasize those areas that they think might help make up any disadvantage they have. Yeah, and the other thing they're going to do is um, they'll use not a ton of it, but they will use some of the Matt Canada pit stuff. They'll jet guys. Oh, yeah. And and they'll, yep. they'll in fact, Quan Baker, uh, who is a, a H-back, scored a rushing touchdown on a, a jet motion or jet. They call it jet option. Well, they will bring him across. And, you know, you think, OK, well, the quarterback's running out there like it's option. But the running backs there in the middle of the line. Yeah, he doesn't come with him. It's because they've used that jet guy to come ahead. And the jet guy is going to stay out there and he'll be the option pitch guy. Well, the jet guy Baker had more yards rushing than either of the tailbacks. Which tells you what you need. I mean, but I don't think he had more than the third quarterback. Well, <laughs> no, really and, that, and that's you. another part of this. They played three quarterbacks against Louisiana Tech. One, Cephas Johnson, was projected to be the starter going into preseason camp. He's probably the most athletic, certainly the biggest of the bunch. He's six five, two twenty five, but he only played one series in the first quarter. Yeah, and and I I had a chance to speak with their play by play guy on a radio show I do during the week, and and J D Byers, their play by play guy. We we talked about the quarterback situation, and being a good guy, loyal to his institution, he did not give me any injury information. He just simply said this week it'll probably be a two quarterback situation. There you go. So I don't think Cephas is going to make the party necessarily. If he does, he's going to be as a spectator. And he made it sound like it's going to be Cole Garvin and Evan Orth are the two guys that will play. But he did say this. Their plan last week was to play three quarterbacks. They had planned to play three. Yeah, and Evan Orth is the one that came in in the fourth quarter and they had some success offensively. Two scoring drives. Two scoring drives and I think he had a a 59-yard run, if I remember correctly, and rushed for 74 yards just on two carries. So uh, they've got some capability there. So the, the, the interesting part of this is, and we haven't talked much about their defense, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, honestly, it's just the unique nature of their offense. It really gets your attention. Defensively, it's not like you're seeing anything unorthodox. No, and, and you know, I'm debating whether to hold this piece of information. And, and we're talking a lot about the opponent, and I still think this okay. week's game, like last week's, is really more about Oklahoma State. So I'll throw this out I didn't realize this okay Greg Stewart their defensive coordinator Steve Campbell is their new head coach he OSU Central fans, Arkansas. you saw him at Central Arkansas, and you also benefited from his coaching in that uh, he coached up Dantrell Savage at Mississippi Gulf Coast. Oh, very good. Won note. a national championship, and Dantrell came to Oklahoma State. So there's some connections there. Well, he's always kept Greg Stewart by his side. That's his defensive coordinator. He was there with him at Mississippi Gulf Coast, UCA. Now he's there with him at, at South Alabama. I did not realize this. Uh, and he hired Kenny Edenfield from Troy to come in as his, as his OC, who, you know, he's always been his own OC, but Kenny Edenfield is, is doing that role now, coming in from Troy. All three of those guys played on Troy's Division II National Championship team. Uh, Campbell was the center. Greg Stewart was the nose guard, so they went against each other every day in practice. Wow. And Kenny Edenfield was on that team as well. They were all teammates together. They were together early on in their coaching career a couple of times, but Edenfield went back home to Troy and kind of got uh, away from 
uh, Stewart and Campbell, but now the gang's all here back in uh, Mobile at South Alabama, three teammates from Troy in college. Interesting. Well, we'll be on the air at uh, 5 o'clock on Saturday, kickoff at 7, and then we'll get uh, next week into the big one against Boise. All right, one more thing. Go for it. We, we address the quarterback. Yeah, what else the, you got? These, these are my two. We'll talk more about these in the pregame show. My to-do list for the Cowboys this Saturday, and remember, you got to beat you got to beat South Alabama, but you're also prepping for the rest of the season, and the rest of the season gets there in a hurry with Boise the next Saturday. Two things I think OSU needs to get better at this weekend to be ready for the next Saturday in Boise. The offensive line play has got to be more consistent. That was on my list, too. At times it was good. At times it was not so good. And it's got to be more consistent. And then the, the second thing, and we'll see what rolls out there, love the way that A.J. and Roe played in the first game at corner. I thought they did a terrific job. Roe had an inference penalty, and I think the only vertical completion I can remember was a wheel route that Bundage ended up being out of. Yes, up there I on believe the that's coverage. right. So other than that, the corners were really good. Again, grade them with a curve. It was Missouri State. You have to develop corner depth. Now that you've got two corners, and I think we can trust, you got to develop corner depth because you can't let A.J. and Rowe no. out there the entire time. Mike Gundy said that earlier this week. A couple of the guys you expect to help with that depth weren't available in the Missouri State game. At least one, maybe both, might be available this week. We'll see. But um, – it's important they start building some guys out there to fill in. No, I agree with you. We'll sort it out even further on our pregame show on Saturday. For Robert Allen, I'm Dave Hunziker. We'll talk to you this weekend. This has been the Oklahoma State Cowboy Insider. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.